Hello, hello, and welcome to the HEA Book Club, where we read romance with friends. I am Summer O'Toole. Hello, I'm Kelsey, otherwise known as Best Friend Kelsey. Before we dive into the episode, which you guys are going to love, I just want to let you know that we're going to be talking about an awesome, awesome giveaway at the end of the episode and how to enter. We're going to be giving away things like Kindles, Audible subscription, Kindle Unlimited subscription, signed paperbacks. So definitely stick around to the end where we talk about how you could enter for a chance to win some of those amazing prizes. HEA, for those of you who don't know, stands for Heavily Ever After, which is a guarantee and required in romance novels. 100%. 100%. That's why Romeo and Juliet is not a romance. It's a tragedy. Amen to that. Okay, well, anywho, I write romance books. My first book is Stolen at Sea, and I also read them obsessively and pretty much refuse to read anything that does not have a happily ending. I am someone who just loves to read. I always have, I always will, and I am a speed reader, which Summer absolutely hates, but here we are, making it by. Yes. Cool. Well, we're going to start off with our weekly hots, which is basically anything hot that happened in the week. So, Kelsey, hit it. All right. So, unfortunately, the books that I read this week were not that hot. Like, I just, I like a little bit more spice in my life. So, I'm going to talk about a different... But not in your food. <laughs> okay, rude. <laughs> I am a notoriously bland eater, but you know what? I like my life. Pepper is spicy, and I will stand by it. <laughs> Back to the point of my weekly hot. So my books were not as spicy, but my life was. So this weekend, not this weekend, this week, I went over and I spent some time with one of my gentleman callers. (laughs) We're going to call him Mr. EMT. And Mr. EMT invited me over to his family ranch. So when I went over to his ranch, his grandpa was there. They were hanging out. I showed up and I was like, oh, this is this is interesting. But uh, we'll see how this goes. And lo and behold, it was one of the cutest, most endearing things that I'd ever seen. My EMT lover was building a table and his grandpa comes over speaking at him in Spanish and is just like reaming him out. He's like, you're doing this terribly. Like you're, you don't know what you're doing. Did you measure this right? All the things. And I speak very bad Spanish, but I know enough to know that his grandpa was reaming him out, which was terribly amusing at the time. So they, you know. Together they were building a table and it was it was cute. It was cute to watch. So I don't know about you guys, but I think it's hot when people who you like are, you know, they care and they're considerate to their to their elders, to their people in their family. That's a hot thing to me. And my weekly hot is that this past month, me and my partner have been on the West Coast. We usually live on the East Coast. So while I'm usually the early riser who wakes up, goes on a walk, gets coffee, and comes home before she's even out of bed and brings her coffee. She is the one waking up at like 5.30 in the morning to start work on East Coast time while we're on the West Coast. So the tables have turned and she has been waking me up every morning with coffee in bed, which is pretty freaking lovely. I mean, that's adorable. (laughs) That is not only adorable, but that's hot. Yeah. And the coffee is hot. (laughs) God. Who allowed me to do this? I don't know. We're going to ride through. We're going to ride through. All right. Next up. Cool. So we are going to, for this podcast, we're going to do kind of like a mosh posh of different tropes, different themes, just different categories of romance. On the bracket for the next few episodes, we're going to be doing enemies to lovers paired with another trope. 
enemies to lovers is the ultimate trope, in my humble opinion. But down the line, we're going to do other things like alien romances, reverse harems. Another cool idea I have is rating spicy books off of their cartoon covers, because there's a lot of very, like, unpresuming covers out there. So just different things like that. It'll mostly be a ramble, because unfortunately... I'm the person who everybody fell asleep at camp when I would be talking at night in our bunks. I can attest to that because I was 100% falling asleep to Summer's voice. However, we are still best friends to this day, and I will still listen to her stories. She just can't start telling them while I'm trying to go to bed because that's, we're due at that point. Okay. Perfect. So this week, we're going to be doing Enemies to Lovers Sport Romances. The book I read was Block Shot by Kennedy Ryan and Kelsey read. Hold on, guys. I read two books and I didn't realize that we were doing the sports one first. I thought we were doing the other one first. So give me a hot second here. I, you said, are we doing the sports one first? And I said, you said no. So I went to the other one. Anyways. Okay. So my, <laughs> oh wait, maybe this is my sports one that I was on top of. Oh no, I was. Sorry guys. Okay. So my sports book was called Focused. A Hate to Love Sport Romance by Carla Sorensen. And overall, I'm not mad about it. I'm not yeah. super pleased, but I'm not mad about it. So let's let's get farther into that. Yeah, same. Let's break down Enemies to Lovers first. Oh, good call. Good call. Okay, so Enemies to Lovers is, as it sounds, the two main characters start off as enemies in the beginning of the book, and they end up as lovers. Enemies is definitely, like, very broad spectrum there can be people who are you know maybe maybe they're rivals in business or they just don't like each other and then there's you know the whole end of the spectrum to like you murdered my whole family that's an intense enemies to lovers situation yeah but i suppose it could happen yeah. i mean anything can happen in these romance <laughs> novels i think we romance <laughs> romance reasons <laughs> So yeah, so and another way that some people have phrased it is like hate to respect or hate to love because sometimes enemies has like that connotation of medieval fighting worlds. Okay, maybe. so at this point, Summer, I have to ask you, have you ever had a enemies to lovers situation in your life? No, I don't think those happen in real life. Are you sure? I, f- I feel like, yeah, because in real life, people don't get over things like they do in romance books. I feel like the clothes Have you had any? I'm thinking about it, right? As soon as you were talking about the definition, I was like, shoot, how could this relate to my actual life? I feel like the closest that I've ever gotten to is I had, not my smartest choice, but I had an ex-boyfriend who ended up hooking up with my best friend. Now, this is a story for a different time, <laughs> not a highlight of my life. However, I ended up hooking up with him after that, like a year or so later. Right? Yeah. So there was definitely a point where we loved each other. Mm-hmm. I absolutely hated his guts mm-hmm. and I smacked him for it, which I'm still very <laughs> proud of. And then we ended up hooking up later. Mm-hmm. So is that an enemy's? T- I mean, lovers, maybe not. Enemies- it's like second chance, which is kind of like block shot, which I read. Okay, so a few key things, though, that we have for enemies to lovers is sometimes there's only like a perceived enemyship, you know, like Stolen at Sea, which is the book I wrote. It's an enemies to lovers, but neither of them, like, they they kind of, like, assumed each other was the enemies, even though they weren't necessarily enemies. That's a good point. Does that make sense? That so sometimes there's, like, a perceived enemyship or, like, a perceived stance, like, oh, this person is with this crowd or is this type of person, thus I don't like them. But it has to be something 
the reason why they're enemies has to be something that they can overcome. Okay. Whether it's a misunderstanding or they have grown as a person or whatever. But if it's like, if it's like you beat me to a pulp two years ago, like you're not going to get over that. You know what I mean? But if you beat your, your family to a pulp, if it's a mafia romance, that's fine. Oh, it has to be like an overcomable reason. Okay, I can follow. And the past lovers has to be realistic and believable. You know, like it can't be a switch. What do you mean by switch? Like it can't be like, oh, I hate your guts. JK, you're super hot. Let's bone. It can be like, I hate your guts and you have to prove to me why I will no longer hate your guts. Okay. I still feel like that happens though. Some people just have a mental switch where they hate someone and then they like someone. But there's nothing to overcome. They just have like a biological response. It's yeah. a little different. Which I also feel like happens in some of these books now. Right? Yeah. They like get around each other and then all of a sudden hormones start flying. <laughs> and then before you know it, they're, they're no like, longer enemies. But there's... They're like, I don't care. You killed my whole family. Yeah. I'm going to fuck anyways. anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then I do agree that sometimes it's just like two hot people get in a room. They might kiss. That happens. Yeah. Okay, so there's a few different layers to enemies to lovers, as we're going to talk about. Sounds like it. And let's dive into the first book. Okay. Which was Blockshot by Kennedy Ryan. It is a standalone in a series. It's the second book in the series. It's like an enemies to lovers, second chance, the very quick synopsis, and Kelsey's looking at me like, how the hell are you going to say anything quick ever? I'm going to be surprised, <laughs> but I'm waiting to be surprised in the best way, so hit, hit it. Okay, so... There's Jared Foster and Banner Morales, and they go to school together. Jared is like the hot jock. She is, in her own words, the frumpy sort of nerdy girl. Her big insecurity is that she's kind of overweight and she had a boyfriend cheat on her. And then he told everybody that like, oh, he couldn't breathe when she was on top. Everything jiggled, you know, really cruel, cruel things. So it made her even more insecure. And Jared is this, like, hot hunk, and they've been study buddies for the whole semester, but he likes her more than anyone else. He's kind of that, like, cold, heartless, like, ruthless, I'm, like, you know, like, I don't care about anyone else sort of thing. And he's trying to get into a fraternity, but it's it's his senior year, but he's, like, rushing a fraternity. That's weird. Yeah. I think it's, like, a post-grad secret society fraternity thing. But one of his last, after a month of doing, like, all this crazy stuff for pledging, one of his last things that he has to do is to, quote, fuck a fat girl. And the fat girl that they pick is Banner Morales because they know that she, or he likes her. I don't like this. No. So I don't, this is like not body positivity in the slightest. And I'm it's not about it so far. I hope that there's a switch. There is a switch. So okay. as soon as they say that, after Jared's been going through like hell and back with all these crazy stunts to get into this fraternity, they tell him to do this. And he's like, hell no, I quit. I don't want to be in your little club. Good. And he had a study date with Banner that night. And because he was saying like, oh, when in his head, in his narration, he was like, when I, when I do get with Banner, it's going to be like for us. It's not going to be for anybody else. That's sweet. So respect. I'm into that. Yeah. And then they're hanging out and she tells him that she's going to be in New York next semester with an internship. And he's like, oh my God, this is our last night together. So they end up having sex the whole time. She's like, he doesn't like me. Like, this is weird. Like, how could he, could he really like me? Like, he's so hot and I'm not. And then 
all the fraternity guys bust into the room <gasps> and are no. like, like, oh my god, I can't believe you actually did it. Like, way to go. Oh, heck no. Yeah, so of course, the banners, horrified, traumatized, extremely mad. I'm traumatized on behalf of her. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. But then she goes to New York mm-hmm. and they don't speak. He tries to tell her, I wasn't in on this. Like, I really do like you. And because of her past and her, like, beliefs about herself, she doesn't believe him. Then pretty much the book fast forwards 10 years. They're both successful sports agents. She's, like, a total powerhouse. I do really like that aspect of her. She's, like, a super boss. Like, very, her, her angle in sports managing is to like lead from the heart and like that's how why she does so well for her clients is because she like isn't just trying to squeeze money out of them and it's a very ruthless industry which is why jared also does great but banner is like the killer with the heart as they put it in the book here which is cute so one of my issues with the book was that i didn't really ever love the characters like i didn't really i enjoyed both of them but i wasn't Uh like pining after either of them or like literally fall in love with either of them okay and but I feel like Banner, if she was on like on a reality TV show like Selling Sunset, but for <laughs> sports agents, uh-huh. like she would be my favorite character. Okay. So I really liked her as a character, just the like love story didn't necessarily hook me. Um but a series of events lead them to be working together. They're now living in the same town. Ten years later, she still thinks that he hates her. He keeps trying to put moves down on her. She is dating someone else. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's dating someone else. And he's like the patron saint of basketball. He's like, and he, so he's, he's like the, the poster boy for like charity. And then there's Jared, who's kind of, you know, like, is he a little fratty? Like fratty, he, fratty vibes. Okay. Like, like, all about himself, his own ambitions. Like, he even okay. says, like, I don't care about people. And that's one of the things that is supposed to make Banner different is, like, he doesn't care about most people. He doesn't like most people. But he likes her. He cares about her. Okay. Then, so, a series of events. They start hanging out more. Jared puts on the moves. Gets her to cheat on her boyfriend. Oh, shoot. I know. And that's kind of where my, some of my issues with the book started. So... Series of events happen, you know, by the end, they end up together because it's a, it's a necessary requirement. It's, it's an H-E-A. Yeah, it's an H-E-A. But some of my, some of the things I really liked about the book first was the writing. The writing was just beautiful. It, it was very easy to read. It was very, like, flowery without being too much. Okay. Like, there was a lot of just, like, use of language that I really enjoyed. But I just never really fell in love with the characters which I think I mentioned and then the other thing was the cheating which is like one of the cardinal rules I feel like in romance people romance readers will put up with anything you know they will they'll put up with the the hero kidnapping the heroine like killing her whole family and like that is fine because he loves her but like any cheating is not allowed and is we can't get over that and granted they didn't cheat on each other Mm -hmm. But she did cheat on her current boyfriend. And it was like, I don't love that. I'm skeptical about your faithfulness going forward. Yeah. And like, I could see what they were trying to do. The author was trying to be like, this person is so madly in love with this other person that she can't, her, her, her moral compass 
isn't strong enough or he okay. loves her so much that like, he doesn't care if she he, if she's with someone else like she's his like she had him first or he had her first and i just couldn't get behind like the romanticizing of that no i'm i'm with you on that yeah and people might think like that is realistic that's more realistic than you know mafia don forcing you need to marry him and i suppose it does happen more often in real life yeah doesn't mean that i have to like it yeah I just couldn't get behind it. And I think it's because of, I had a situation in college where somebody who I was sort of seeing was also seeing someone else unbeknownst to me. And then, oh no, I was abroad and I returned from abroad. We weren't together, obviously, when I was away. Uh-huh. And she had started dating somebody else. And then I returned and I didn't know if they were together or I did know something where... She basically was like, well, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, I like you, but I also like someone else. And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) you got to figure this out, buddy. (laughs) And just put me in a really awkward position. Absolutely. And was like very toxic and manipulative. And then like down the line, she said they broke up, but they didn't actually. And it just made things really messy and toxic. And that like this rang a lot of bells with that, where it was like that manipulation of like, I don't care who you're with or who I'm with. Like, I want you and it doesn't matter. And in real life, that's just, that's like super shady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those are some of my qualms. Overall, though, very, very good sex scenes. That's what we love. That's what we love. <laughs> yeah. And I really did enjoy the writing. Like, I would absolutely read more Kennedy Ryan. And she's has a ton of other stuff. So I am excited to read more of her things. Um, I think it's just those characters. So what good sex scenes? What would you rate it at in the spicy realm? Oh yeah, so overall rating would be a 7 out of 10. Okay. If I had that emotional connection with the characters and their love story, it probably would have been much higher, like a 9 or maybe even a 10, because I really, really did love the writing. And then the spice. So our ratings for the plot story is going to be 7 out of 10, or like the all-encompassing rating is going to be out of 10. And then our spice scale is out of 5. And for those listening at home, here is our scale. So one is wholesome, sweet romance, no on-page descriptions of sex or sexual activities, kissing only. <laughs> Sounds like the rules of like a middle school dance. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Break out the ruler. Six inches apart. No, 12 inches apart. Leave some room for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and all of his disciples. <laughs> okay. What's number okay. two? Number two is... Subtle romance, no explicit sensual sen- sensu- sensuality. Oh my gosh, nope. no. sensuality. Sensuality. <laughs> you were so confident in that too. It's all about the confidence. Yeah. Kissing and touching, necking comes to mind. Oh, are but, you my mother? <laughs> but physical romance is described in general terms or it's implied. The emphasis is on how lovemaking made the characters feel emotionally and not on graphic descriptions, aka closed door romance or fade to black. Three spice level is warm, moderately explicit, sensuality. Uh, Physical details are described but not graphically depicted, much is left to the reader's imagination. Four is hot, more explicit sensuality. Sex is described in more graphic terms. Hot books typically have more sex scenes and are more likely to depict acts beyond intercourse. 
Um, and then five is burning, spiciest of the bunch, anything goes, extremely explicit, often slash might involve kink play, multiple partners, and or dub con, non-con, which is dubious consent or non-consent. So on that scale, I initially put this as a three, but I think I would change it to a four. In terms of like vanilla-ness of the spice, it was closer to a three, but in terms of frequency and descriptions, I would say it's a four. Okay. So I've changed my rating. That's valid. Yeah. There's definitely going to be a lot of in-betweens that I think we're going to be experiencing. I feel like there's a big gradient between three and four. I'm going to work through on that. Okay. And is there anything else that you want to share about your books? Final thoughts? Would you read it again? I would not read it again. Oh, even with such a high rating. You just recommend it to other people? I would so, so rarely ever read a book again. Like, it has to, like, knock me off my feet and make me feel like I just broke up with the love of my life when I finish it for me to want to reread it. Okay, I can feel that. Which is the book we're talking about next week, so. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Okay, looking forward to that. Okay, you hit it. Tell me about your book. Okay, let's start with the details. It is Focused, A Love to Hate, Sports Romance by Carla Sorensen. Overall, I'm just going to start with the ratings because that's how I like to start. 7 out of 10. Nice. I'm going to rate it a 7 out of 10. It is, I would say it's like a standalone book. However, it's part of a greater series. Interconnected. Yeah, which I didn't realize until later. But, you know, there's like little hints that they leave here and there, like talking about family, talking about this and that. Like, oh, they're all part of the same sports team. Then you're like, oh, okay. It's going to be a connected book some way or another. Yeah. Okay. So that was my overall rating. My spice rating is 3 out of 5. There was a couple of good sex scenes, but they weren't always described. They were like fade to black. Don't love those. I don't love those either because honestly, those. if I'm reading a romance book that has sex in it, I want to read about the sex. I'm just, just to put it very bluntly, that's what I'm in for. Do you remember that book that I read? I think I sent it to you. It was 450 pages. They had sexual tension the entire time. <laughs> there was a half-naked cowboy on the front. Oh, yes. And they didn't, like, even kiss until page, like, 410. That would murder me. I don't know how you got through that. I, I, and I read it so quickly, too, because the tension was, like, chef's kiss, mm-hmm. that I was, like, waiting for the sex, waiting for the sex. Okay. I never got there. Or finally did get there. Uh-huh. 89% of the way through the book. So I, like, sped read it, because I was like, it's coming on the next page. <laughs> well, I mean, with the half-naked cowboy on the front, I probably would have read it, too. False advertising. You know that's my thing, though. I yeah. love myself a good cowboy. Billionaire cowboys are even better. Oh my gosh, billionaire cowboys <laughs> are my weakness. Okay, but I, I digress. We are talking about Focused. So Focused is a sports novel, Enemies to Lover. Our enemy slash lover is Noah and Molly. So Noah is a famous football player. He was drafted when he was super duper young. Molly is the girl who lives next door. Right? So it starts back in, I don't know, like Molly is like a 16-year-old girl. Noah's 19. Noah is home from break. He's, you know, playing college football. And Molly is just like head over heels for him. So she, what she does, not in the smartest decision, she goes and she climbs up into his bedroom window and they start making out. And she's 16. And she's 16. We do not, I do not consent when it comes to these kinds of things. Oh, no, Molly. We don't, we don't do the whole age gap. Sorry. Did what? he get arrested? No, okay, so I'm getting to that. Okay, okay. He didn't get arrested. So what ended up happening is his dad came in, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, while they were still just making out. Like, I think her top was off, so talk about a little bit embarrassing. 
And he broke it up immediately and was like, you're an idiot to both Noah and Molly, right? His son and the next door neighbor. And Molly's brother, who was like her caretaker, came over and just like scolded the heck out of her. So that was the pretense, right? That was the very beginning of the book. Then we jump into the future. Okay. Molly is working for a football team that her brother, the one who was taking care of her, he's like a coach on said football team. So she grew up in this whole arena because her brother used to be a football player. I think this is part of the whole like series of stories. Anyway, so she, Molly gets a job. And in this job, she like, she gets a new boss and the boss is basically like, you have one chance. Okay. You have one chance to get this right. And Molly is a very competitive boss kind of lady. And she's like, all right, like, I'm going to get it right. Turns out that her job is to work with Amazon. Amazon as in the Amazon. Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Which, to be honest, I don't know why it took me like 50 pages to realize that it was talking about Amazon, like where I buy my toiletries from. Girl, what? I don't know what was going on in my brain, but it wasn't very great. Okay, so she's working with Amazon to follow a couple of players on the football team to like, I don't know, make a make a documentary. Okay. Okay. Is it like a, like a sponsorship sort of thing? I don't I don't really understand it. It kind of makes me think about um, remember when that cheerleading star that cheerleading show came out on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that name of that one was. Which I'm like flip or taw turn. No, I thought it was the name of the cheerleaders, like Navarro cheerleading or something. Oh yeah, it was Navarro cheerleaders, but I don't think that's what the show was called. Okay, I digress. That's what <laughs> this is kind of the situation that was happening. It was like a cheerleading situation. So Molly is all into it. She's ready to prove her boss wrong until she finds out that lo and behold, Noah, who was playing for like Miami, has now playing for the team that she's you know that she's working with, Washington or something. Okay, wait, what's it called? Maybe it was just called Cheer. It's called Cheer. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I was semi there with the flip turn <laughs> one word. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Noah shows up. Okay. So Noah shows up and she is realizing that she needs to now be in charge of filming Noah for the rest of the season. <laughs> so first off, brother slash coach of Noah is pissed because she, sorry, he is like, they should not be together. They're going to make mistakes. Like, they've made mistakes in the past. And Molly's like, no. Referring I'm... to their makeout. Referring to the makeout when she was underage and he was... Up. And is that... Was that the... What... The catalyst of their animation? That was definitely the catalyst of it. Oh, I forgot to mention. The day after, or like two days after yeah. this happened, when they were kids, they ended up moving away. Noah and his dad ended up moving away. Um, sounds like it's the dad who's out of it, not Noah. At this point, yeah. I'm with you on that. Okay. But it like, but it like, it ended really awkwardly, right? Because Molly was like heartbroken and awkward yeah. as a sixteen-year-old, yeah. and Noah just up and left by his choice or not. It's not like they had each other's phone numbers, so it just like that's how it ended. Gotcha. So it's more like awkward. You were part of like the traumatizing high school experience I had. Yes. Enemy, not like, not like you killed my family kind of enemy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do I keep going back to that? I don't know. You keep going back to it, so I'm going yeah, back yeah. to it. <laughs> it's one end of the spectrum. <laughs> Awkward makeouts in your bedroom is the other end. Okay, so we're on the other end. Yeah. <laughs> so, lo and behold, Molly is now in charge of filming Noah. And Noah is nicknamed The Machine. He is The Machine of Football. And I see your face somewhere you're laughing about this. Just roll with it, okay? It's one of those things you just have to roll with. The author made a choice and we need to go with it. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so he is known as The Machine because he's, wait for it, celibate. He's celibate, he's given up all girls, and he is so focused on his football career that that's like his only, that's his only time. He's like a robot. He's a robot, that's why he's known as a machine. Okay, okay. 
So there's some fun tidbits revolving his celibacy later on. But he was he like a born again celibate person? No, not even like a Christian thing. He just chose that all of his sexual angst he was going to put in on the field. And that's where all of his energy was going to go. Okay. And apparently his teammates like agreed with it. Like he did a good job. Putting all his energy on the field. So he's still a virgin. He's not a virgin. Okay. He like once upon a time like chased after girls, used his football game. But then he was like, no, I need to buckle down. Okay. I'm going to become celibate and I'm going to focus on the game. Gotcha. Girls are distracting me. Yeah. Gotcha. Following. Okay. Following. Reminds me of Cole from The Bachelor. Okay. Digressing. Digressing Cole again. ended up being gay, so I don't think that's how the story turns out. Oh, no. That is not how the story turns out. Okay, so Molly <laughs> is the only person who can get through to Noah. They have some, like, awkward moments in the beginning where mm-hmm. they, like, have to establish that they've had an awkward past, but they just need to, like, work on business. Yeah. So there's also a couple of other fun characters, Rick and, oh, Rick and someone else, and Rick and someone else are the characters who are in charge of filming Noah. Okay. So every time that Molly's near Noah, these two characters are there too because they're filming his life both on and off the field. So they are kind of putting in these fun, like humorous moments where they're like, oh, we see what you're doing. And Molly's like, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> and Noah's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I'm the machine. You know, there's idiotic moments like that. But they really, in the end, like come together and really support both of them. So that way they like have the HEA that we're looking for. Yeah. So, okay, but I'm jumping forward to jump back. Okay. Molly is the only person who gets through to Noah. Like, he's the, she's the only one who can, like, crack the facade of him. Like, to get him to smile, to get him to, like, okay. integrate with life. Like, they go shopping for a house together. And mm. she's the only one who can really see that, like, this is the house that's going to be best for him. I feel like there's probably some, like, sex on the kitchen counter. Later on. Called it. Yeah. Okay. So, Always with those new houses. <laughs> I mean, you've got a Christian, though, right? <laughs> Uh, okay. Christian men. Christian? Christian. Christian. Oh, Christian. <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay, Christian. They need to christen it. I think that, yeah, that, that is it, right? We're going to roll with it. Okay. Christian happens later. Continue, continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> you listen so patiently. And so... <laughs> okay, so there's this time where it's right before the season, and Noah and Molly and Rick and the other guy's name, who I can't forget, bless his soul, they all fly out to North Dakota because that's where Noah's grandma is. And in North Dakota, this is like the catalyst. This is when they decide that the heated moments and the connection that's been building up is finally going to just like, boom, explode. Love it. So what happens is Noah slips into Molly's room with Molly's permission. There was like a lot of consent happening. Great. And they have sex nonstop for like two nights, right? Because during the day, they have to pretend that nothing's wrong or that nothing's changed because, you know, they're on a job. They can't be, they can't be doing things while they're on the job. Um, in the beginning, they described the sex. They described some like really intimate moments that were actually like pretty special that I actually really enjoyed. So hold on. I have one of them. That's my favorite that I wrote. He didn't stop until he was tied against me and his arms curled around my shoulders and tucked me firmly against his chest. I had to swallow a loud sob of relief at the way he was wound around me, in me, filling me. For another moment, he held impossible still. And he had me shift my hips up in a restless, anxious moment. He sucked in a breath through gritted teeth. Molly, he groaned. I can't, I can't. I gripped his face and sucked at his lips. If you stop right now, I'll murder you in your sleep. <laughs> Noah rolled his forehead onto mine. I love it. First off, she's blunt. She's a boss. She's telling him she's going to murder him in his sleep. <laughs> she is chasing her orgasm. And I just, I love that for her. They have a very yeah. honest relationship. That so is sweet. So that's one of my favorite quotes from the book. 
Okay, so North Dakota happens, and then what happens is, oh, I forgot to mention a really key point. Okay. Molly is not allowed to fraternize with her, with Noah. She's not allowed to have sex okay. with him. She's not allowed to do anything. Probably should have said that at the beginning, but here we are. So they split after North Dakota. They literally, like, Molly does everything she can to not be anywhere near him. She's determined that she's in love with him and that she just, she's not going to be able to do her job right if she's around him. Yeah. So she figures out a way to make it work so that way she's basically not around him the entire season. There is a really lovely ending mm -hmm. after this that I don't know if I should talk about. Should I talk about it? Yeah. Okay. So... They obviously end up getting together, but they get together in a really special way. Okay. Rick convinces Noah and proves to him that he's in love with Molly. Do they watch back the footage? They do. Shut up! So they watch back all the footage and all the points where he, like, quote-unquote, wasn't the machine. And he, like, actually was, like, alive and had a smile. And he realizes that every single one of those moments was when he was with Molly. Shut up! So Molly's already, like, heartbroken knows that she loves him, but, like, can't get near him, right? Yeah. For the sake of the job. And there's Noah, like, figuring it out, right? Oh. With the help of Rick. So go, Rick, superstar of doing your job. So what ends up happening is Noah's like, oh, my gosh, I have to get her back. Like, she hasn't spoken to me in weeks, right? Almost yeah. the entire season. I have to get her back. Yeah. He, with Rick, and I keep wanting to say Morty, but it's not Morty. It's the guy whose <laughs> name I still can't remember. So sorry, dude. You can call him Morty. Okay. <laughs> Rick and Morty get together for, like, two days with Noah. And one weekend, they compile all the footage that basically shows their love story. Stop it. And then he has this plan. He literally wrote out this whole book because he's like a super like rigid, like yeah. rigid, like this is how things are done. He made this entire binder of like, this is how I'm going to invite her over. This is how there's going to be like lights hung up in the backyard. There's going to be my bed. We're going to watch a movie. We're going to watch this footage. I'm going to fall in love with her. She's going to fall in love with me. He has these big plans, right? Stunning. We love it. Yeah. And then here's what happens. She refuses to come. It rains. Close, but not. The brother who hates him, my dad, the coach who hates him, comes back in, realizes that he really does love his sister and that he needs to step back. Yeah. Calls the sister and says, go show up to Noah's right now. He did it like two hours early. So Noah had these plans for two hours, you know, later. And she just like shows up and was like, I was told that there was an emergency and I need to come here. And he looks like he's homeless, according to Rick. Like, it's a mess. It is a disaster, oh. and then he spits out everything, and he makes her watch the movie, and there's a lot of tears on everyone's end. On my end, almost. I know, <laughs> I'm seeing it in your eyes. It was so stinking cute. That's really sweet. So it was the HEA that we wanted. Yeah. There was a lot of twist and turn that I purposely did not mention, just in case you guys want to read it yourself. I want to leave a little bit of something <laughs> to, the, uh, to the imagination, a little bit of something to the surprise. But, I mean, it was good. It sounds really cute. I wish that there wasn't the fade to black sex scenes, though, as I mentioned before. That's why it's only a three out of five. Yeah. Overall, though, like, would I read it again? Probably not. But I enjoyed it, and I'm enjoying yeah. retelling it. It's really sweet. That's, like, the satisfying, like, emotion of, like, yes, they're together that, like, mm -hmm. that I felt was missing in mine. And they had to overcome something, and, you know, it's cute. It's it was really, really cute. cute. Reminds me of prom. Prom? Well, not my prom. I was going to say I was at your prom. <laughs> your prom did not end up like that. No. I wanted it to end up like that for you, but girl, it didn't. It did not. It did not. It ended up in the Wendy's parking lot, eating french fries, platonically. Uh, we all need to have a french fry ending every once in a while. Uh, but it reminds me of like how people would ask people to prom. You know, they'd do all these different extravagant things. Yes. 
like make movies or do like a bunch of lights and mm -hmm. all that stuff. That's a really good point. Yeah. Huh. Oh yeah. Okay. So that's your ratings. Okay. Got my rating. So okay. how did, how do you feel like the enemies to lovers progression was unique about your book? The fact that they were filming the entire time, I think that made it really unique. Yeah, like they like have visual documentation of the morph. Yeah, of like you guys were enemies, you guys were super stiff, and then all of a sudden you guys were essentially lovers, and they could see the change. Yeah. I think that really made it special to have it not just be from switching back and forth between Noah and Molly's view, but also to have Rick and Morty's, <laughs> you know, like their views to pop in yeah because they basically witnessed the whole thing so to have an outsider see it you don't always get that in enemies to lovers as well that's so true yeah something else that i didn't mention that's also really important is molly's family is huge as per what needs to happen if you're going to have a continued book series about them <laughs> but along with that they're really supportive like they're mm -hmm. like a rock star family and they were with her every single moment that things changed in this relationship so she was getting mm -hmm. constant feedback from them as well not just the unsolicited feedback from rick and Marty. So I thought that was what made it a little bit different, yeah. a little bit special. And they, everyone but the brothers supported them? Pretty much, yeah. There was like some secrets here and there as she was trying to figure it out herself, but yeah. overall, full-on support. And then the brother got there in the end, right? Yeah. He saw that that's who she loved. Yeah. And hopefully he realized that that was 10 years ago. Oh my gosh, yeah, ages ago. Yeah, ages ago. And so, she was the one who snuck into his bedroom. That's a good point. Got a little foreshadowing for one. He snuck into her bedroom next time. <laughs> in True. North Dakota, Nebraska. Oh, I like how you noticed that. I did not. Okay, what about you? What made um, you special or not special? So I feel like the enemies to lovers, based off of a misunderstanding, is not necessarily unique. It's mm -hmm. also like in romance, tropes are tropes for a reason because they are beloved, they're repetitive, you know the different beats. And that's okay, you know, yeah. it not you're not reinventing the wheel every time. But I think something that was interesting about this one was there was that misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. And then it was like a 10-year difference. And one of the things that Banner ends up losing weight and like getting really fit and her exterior now matched, you know, her confidence inside. And that, that was another thing I kind of couldn't tell if I loved or liked about the I book. Say I'm not loving that. Yeah. Her weight loss was a big plot point. Okay. She had an app that would be giving her reminders and stuff all the time. And mm. But was she yeah. healthy? She, wa she was. She, she was. Was she healthy both in both of her weights? I think so. I think her, like, in college, she, you know, gained the freshman 15 plus some. And then afterwards, she worked hard to lose it but it was like mention of weight watchers and like mm. it just it i wish that she would have had like that transformation without needing the physical transformation too yes i'm like unsure how i feel about it because it was very realistic like i'm sure so many people are going to read that book and really like resonate with it yeah and she did have a lot of respect for herself before she lost weight too it wasn't like okay. losing weight changed everything for her Good. And that was also one of the key parts of her and Jared's relationship is that it was something she was always insecure about, but he he liked her the same no matter what her weight was. Well, we stand Jared for that. Yeah. But that sort of feels like the bare minimum. You know? Oh, I just stand the bare minimum. 
no. I take yeah. it back. I take it back. <laughs> so there was like that sort of like the misunderstanding was based off of her weight. Mm-hmm. And now the weight is gone. And she's still trying to like convince herself that he really does like her. Yeah. For her. Okay. If you had just listened to him first time. Right. That was, was just yeah. an honesty and some yeah. trust and honesty. Yeah. Rude. This book was a lot of romance reasons. Like, things were happening because... It needed to happen for the book to keep moving. Yes. Okay, romance reasons. I can take that. I can accept that. Yeah. But overall, I did enjoy the book. Good. Good. That's important. And I really enjoyed the author. Like, I think I'm gonna... I think it was more the characters than, like, the book. So, like, I feel like other books that I'm gonna read by her, I'm probably gonna love. All right. Well, keep me posted on that. Okay, you read your favorite quote, yeah? Yeah. Read yours. It's after they are officially together, towards the end of the book, though. She says, When the pleasure is too much to contain, I come again. Differently, soundlessly, noiselessly. My whole body sighs. My body, with the release of such passion, it steals my voice. My heart, which for one devastatingly gorgeous moment, stops, pauses in my chest in reverence, in my soul stills, quieted by the presence, the concession of its mate. That kind of makes you want to cry right shoot like it's it's really beautiful writing that might be considered like flowery but it's not over the top or obnoxious that was a good example that yeah was a really good example like it's really beautiful Man, i want that yeah <laughs> that's how i started like, as you were reading i was like oh i want that i totally want that and i was like is it realistic and then by the end i was like i don't know if it's realistic but i'm ready to tear yeah, up like you can stop my heart <laughs> just like my heart which for one devastating gorgeous moment stops pauses in my chest in reverence like <sighs> that's stunning isn't that just beautiful that's why we're in this yeah i've read it for quotes like that yeah and that's why it's a seven out of ten for moments like that moments like that okay and okay. if i had like really fallen for the characters too that moment would have been you know tear inducing i can see why it would be a seven out of ten with writing like that because at first when you said seven out of ten i was like i don't really get it because you don't love the characters and i need to love the characters yeah but if the writing's like that, like, remind me who that author is later. I want to read a book yeah. from them. Kennedy Ryan. Okay, I'm going to pretend to write that down. Okay. <laughs> it's in our doc. Okay. <laughs> okay, final wrap-ups. We read Block Shop by Kennedy Ryan, 7 out of 10, 4 out of 5 Spice. I read Focused by Carlos Sorensen, rating 7 out of 10 and 3 out of 5 for Spice. Both were enemies lovers, sport romances, and next week we are going to be doing another enemies lovers, but this time it's going to be forced proximity. So for those who want to read the book ahead of time, we are reading Taken to Varaxia by Elizabeth Stevens and The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. You can find me on TikTok at Summer O'Toole. You can find me on TikTok at Best Friend Kelsey. And she's there in the comments chatting along. Yeah, very much in the comments. I was once upon a time a troll, but I'm starting to be a little bit more social. <laughs> and you can join our Facebook group on Facebook. All the links will be down below in the comments. show notes, comments, show notes, yeah. caption, whatever. And it's it's the, the HEA book club with Summer O'Toole. With well, that in mind. We'll see you guys next time. Yeah. Oh, 
except for the charity of the month. We oh, sure. are going to be doing yes. each month. We're going to pick another bookish related charity. This month it is Dolly Parton's Imagination Library, and they give out free books no matter your household income. They're available in several countries: Australia, Canada, Republic of Ireland, UK, and the United States. Since inception, they have given away over 150 million books. And they just keep going. So if you are interested, there'll be a link to donating in the bottom. We don't get anything from this, obviously. Just talking about other people who love books and supporting them. Absolutely. And also supporting literacy. There's a really cool history behind this. Uh, Sorry, not fundraiser. Behind this foundation. Thank you. Behind this foundation (laughs) about the literacy rates that have been raised in the community that she started this in. Oh, that's awesome. So there's some really awesome things. I would highly suggest that you donate or at the very least educate yourself about it. Yeah. Cool. Well, we will see you guys next week. Toodles. Toodles. Before you go, remember in the beginning of this episode when we said that we are going to give you all the details on how to enter our amazing giveaway, where we're going to be giving prizes to three different winners. Some of the prizes include a Kindle, Kindle Noted subscription, Audible subscription, signed paperbacks. We are so excited. And all you have to do is leave a review for this podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Then join our Facebook group, the HA Book Club with Summer O'Toole on Facebook. You can find the links down below in the show notes and just post a screenshot of your review. Hopefully it's not too scathing and you'll be entered into the drawing for this awesome giveaway. Muy caliente, as they might say in Spanish. <laughs> oh, I'm going to kill you. I don't speak Spanish. No, she does not. Okay. <laughs> Let's move forward. <laughs> Your family pulp if it's a mafia romance, that's fine. I feel like you have. Oh. Yeah. Can I come in? Uh, well, now you can. We're in the middle of a recording a podcast. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Hi. Will, will the oh shit be on the podcast? I hope so. Yeah.